Hello, James here, and welcome to the James Cast and a podcast excerpt from the conversation that Dr. Jenna and I had with Ryan Penny. Remember the homeopathy podcast, that big, lovely hour of conversation about homeopathy? Well, I've pulled out two of the bits that I wanted to replay. I wanted to give you a re-listen to. The first one is, well, what exactly is homeopathy? What, what do homeopaths do? What is it all about? How did this area of health and well-being even come about? Well, Ryan Penny joins us in our podcast and he explained that. But I was also really interested in why a guy who was interested in soccer would end up going down the path of homeopathy. So this is a little podcast extra. You're going to like it. I think this is a wonderful piece to share with the kids, especially if you've got you've got high school students or maybe you've got a, a spouse or maybe you've got kids who are working their way through university and they have no idea what they want to do. It's never a bad time to change your major. Give this a listen. Ryan Penny talking about homeopathy, how it all started, and what drew him to this career. It's a podcast extract from Podaholics and the James cast. You're going to enjoy. Here we go. I think as well, some people like to link homeopathy with going to China on holiday and going to a Chinese <laughs> pharmacy and seeing some really crazy things in jars. And obviously that's totally, totally different because that's Chinese medicine and this is homeopathy, which are very different. But again, I'm not qualified enough to talk about it. So... Well, I tell you what, I mean, I listen to those two stories and you're right. I think there are so many misconceptions. Um, I think homeopathy at one stage was uh, pretty much linked with Eastern medicine, Eastern philosophy, those kinds of things, which it's not actually. Uh, it, um, if you're going to peg it back, not that my history on the homeopathy is what it was when I was still studying, but <laughs> um, it's sort of rooted in probably mid-1700s Germany. Um, by a medical doctor at the time who was um, disillusioned with yeah, what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that they were probably killing more patients than, were, than what they were helping. And um, he actually moved away, um, Hanuman was his name, he moved away from the actual practice of medicine into translation. Okay. So he was a linguist and he started translating some of the documents and he picked up um, that there was this interesting sort of observation that certain things seem to cause symptoms and then in a sort of um, the same substance could go ahead and treat similar symptoms and what he was looking at then was chinchona bark so mm. that's where we get salicylic acid or aspirin yeah. so he made this observation um, realized that if i give this substance i seem to cause symptoms and when somebody has those symptoms and i give the substance it seems to cure it so that was what he based homeopathy on, which you know, was on those observations, and he coined the phrase, like cures like. So at its root, that's the idea. The idea of homeopathy, which is a component of complementary alternative medicine, is um, if I find something that causes symptoms, is there the possibility slash probability that I could treat those kinds of symptoms with that same substance, but then through a series of dilutions. And the reason being, he was saying, if I give it in its raw, natural form, sometimes it is too strong for the system to handle. So as we would do with most things, is you 
you know, sort of tone it down a little. Hmm. And he went through a series. Yes, there were some philosophical components to it through a series of dilutions and that he termed potentizing. So that's why you have homeopathics that are seemingly, you know, <laughs> nothing in them. And that's the <laughs> argument that you have from many people is they would say, well, it's basically just water or the lactose pill or whatever the carrier is. And um, it's true to recognize that when you have diluted something to a point beyond Avogadro's number, right, technically there's nothing left in the substance. And yet there are homeopaths who will say, well, we'll keep diluting because it seems to be still effective and sometimes even more so. Now, that's where I sort of draw the line. You know, I, Sean and I would practice what we call clinical homeopathy, which is we'd look at things from a medical perspective and say that there are certainly substances that are uh, not diluted to that particular point. But when you start looking at, you know, the levels of certain hormones or biochemicals within the systems, you know, they are in minute, minute quantities. So then the idea of giving something in a minute quantity, whether it be mm. for an allergy, for your wife, or those kinds of things, it almost makes sense to think, well, maybe I can stimulate the body's natural defense mechanism because in essence, that's what your body's trying to do. You know, we talk about infections, we talk about all these kinds of things. Your body is trying desperately to survive for as long as possible. This is what it's doing. So the homeopathic idea is, can I find something that's going to come alongside and support that process rather than block certain things or kill certain things or replace things, which is very, very much the medical sort of mindset. So my training, my background, well, before I did homeopathy, I had no intention of doing anything. I was a footballer. <laughs> so, um, and this is back in South Africa. This is back in South Africa. So this is, uh, you know, sort of rewind 1990, 1991. And um, all I wanted to do was get to the UK and play <laughs> soccer. Okay. So um, I ended up uh, having to go via because of the South African political situation. I went, uh, I had a scholarship to go and uh, study in the States, play football in the States, in Florida. And the idea was if I could get there four years, I get one extra year, then I can maybe head to the UK and we'll see what happens from there. Well, there was a scout out who was supposed to be organizing things um, in that year, 91, 92, I think. And um, I ended up dislocating my elbow in a match. Oh, no. And that was pretty much the end of my football. How on earth in a football match do you dislocate your elbow? I was a goalkeeper. Right, okay. Yeah, so I grabbed the ball, somebody kicked me out, I landed like that, and that was the end of my elbow. And the coach was there, the scout was there, and he was like, oh, okay, you have half a scholarship now. And my family couldn't afford at that point to go to the States. So I thought, okay, well, what am I gonna do? Now I'm thinking I can't play anymore, so maybe physio is a good idea, right? So I'm heading, thinking along those lines, and I had not been paying too much attention to academics. You know, I was just playing sport all the time. Um, then basically, uh, I had one more year of school, and uh, I listened to a talk that somebody gave on homeopathy. And I was like, that sounds really interesting to me. And I went and spoke to him afterwards. And I said to him, would you mind if I come and, you know, visit your practice? And he said, by all means. And probably the best thing that could have happened was this particular guy was very, very much medical. So homeopathy had that sort of dingy room you know, involved with a couple of other yeah. things and you go to the little drawers and you I do these things. I think you have to wear a cardigan as well. <laughs> yeah, cardigan. It's like being vegetarian <laughs> years ago. You have to wear a cardigan. There's, there's a type, right? It's the, pre it's the preconceptions, isn't it's, it? Exactly. And then you go back to the little room and you don't know what they're doing there, but you take something and maybe you there's get There's not better, much lighting. And, you know? And I went to this guy and he had like a fully stocked pharmacy and it was clean and it was clinical and his rooms were smart. And I was like, 
wow, this is pretty cool. You know, this is actually really nice. I, I like the idea of patients walk in, patients walk out. You know, I mm-hmm. wasn't keen on the clinical sort of emergency medicine scene, <laughs> although I love it. And my brother-in-law is a emergency or casualty specialist who when I'm with him, I love spending time, but it was like, hey, I'd like to talk to the person, we we with each other and you leave, great. So <laughs> it so happened that there was a training course that was starting the next year. For the first time, there was a degreed course wow. that was five years. And because it was just beginning, uh, it was tied in very, very strongly with what was at that particular point, one of the best medical schools in South Africa, Wits Medical School. Oh, nice. So our first two years were pretty much parallel with the dental and medical students. So we did pretty much everything that you would expect to have to do. So from anatomy and physiology and epidemiology and all the kinds of things that you'd have to be engaged in. Um, In our second year, we were still part of the group that uh, did full dissection at uh, Witt's Dental School at that particular point. So again, we had all this influence from these medical professionals who were like, what are these guys doing here? They don't belong, but they're still offloading all this great information. So what ended up happening then into third year, fourth year, fifth year, we had the majority of our lecturers were medically trained, teaching us you know, pathology and going through diagnostics and everything. So our training was very, very much from a clinical medical side. And at the same time, I used to spend as much time as I could in the hospital because we were technically sort of allowed to observe. You know, they were very gracious to us. They allowed us to come and then they would give you a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I also used to spend time with um, my personal GP from when I was, you know, just a kid. And he allowed me to come and spend a lot of time. And he was a real cowboy. So what he used to do in the office. <laughs> no, is, like, this, is this up in Pretoria, this Johannesburg? This is in Pretoria. Okay. Pretoria, Joburg area. So I studied in Johannesburg and lived in Pretoria. So the commute was also an interesting thing. <laughs> but, um, so that was my training. And so I would sometimes sit at the back. I had some major problems with clinical or classical homeopathy, the typical homeopathy that we described. Uh, I'm like, yeah, there's certain parts of that that just don't make sense to me. Um, I don't buy the philosophy on certain other things, but I, I, I see some, I see the reason it's there is because you've got guys in the 17, 1800s, um, who are looking at things, they are getting results with their patients. They, they don't know how to explain them. So what do they start doing? They start coming up with explanations to try and, um, give some sort of insight into what's happening. So what happened was homeopathy didn't develop enough from that side. It kept the philosophies. It kept the things that in many respects the medical profession will shoot down and rightly so. The problem is this, is in so doing they threw the baby out with the bathwater. So then sort of what I was sitting by about fourth year, I'm sitting in the back of this lecture room and I'm reading update, you know, and modern medicine and I'm like, this makes much more sense to me. But I also realize that there are so many patients who are getting treatments they're almost violating the first law of medicine, and you alluded to a little bit earlier. You know, um, well, if this is safe and it's not going to do no harm, and we, you know, it's not going to do any harm, and we don't have really anything else here, well, well, why don't you give it a try? In many respects, it was that sort of well. If there's a problem here that could probably be improved by lifestyle, of which the five most prescribed drugs, you know, <laughs> you could go ahead and put them aside and get <laughs> yeah. lifestyle change. We've had these conversations. <laughs> about know, a few I, times. I can hear this here. Yeah. And yeah. We, we want to. We want to come back to that. We got to complete yeah. that circle as well. So you look at that, and then I'm looking at it and saying, almost from the same perspective, but from the other side, saying, well, if I can change how a person thinks, eats, moves, supplements, and maybe something that's therapeutic from a complementary side that doesn't carry with it significant side effects. 
and I can go ahead and get an improvement and have this person take ownership of their health, then that's good medicine. So looking and seeing, okay, I identify where I draw the line in terms of what I shouldn't do, in terms of what I can't do. And that's where people like Jenna, you can step in and say, well, um, yeah, I would handle it this way. And that's where collaboration works. But that almost brings us back to where we were before. And that's going to come down to individuals. Unfortunately, much more on a person-to-person basis, mm. medical practitioner with a homeopath who are able to look at things and say, wow, that's interesting. And wow, that's outside of what I should do. And there is, now it's not a competition. No, it's, it's that's, that's team isn't work, it? isn't it? Exactly. So one of the places I saw this first and foremost was when I went as a part of my fifth year, I used to spend some time in theater, in, in operating room. And I noticed that the guys who had the least issue with anything were the orthopedic surgeons because they were like, well, you can't do anything I can do. There was no threat. So they're, in, they're an interesting so as soon as, there, as soon as there's no threat, the whole dynamic were, changes. You sit around, you know, you're between patients, <laughs> you're, you're drinking tea, you're eating apples, you're watching TV, you're reading the paper and it's like, oh, come, we're up again. You know, and there was absolutely nothing. There was no issue. But the anesthesiologist, interestingly, Mm, rather keep to himself, have less of a discussion. He's more on the medical side of things, you know, start getting to the cardiologist. Mm, well, you know, now we're almost like we're sort of stepping in a similar area. And I say that with the greatest respect to the professions, but it's a matter of, um, yeah, I don't actually want to cross that bridge. And I'm not sure there's a bridge there to be crossed. So we'll just stick with what we do and we'll tolerate you for now and don't kill anybody on your, on your way. 